introducing a new song tonight, and I'm just going to read a verse here. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. And bedrock is beneath the soil. It's beneath the, the gravel. It is a firm foundation. And this song, you keep reminding me my heart is holy ground. Where you are pleased to be, I'm starting to see it now. If we can just realize that we are his firm foundation, that he wants to build his house on. I hear the Father say, you are my beloved one. Nothing can prize away a covenant built on love. Prize away means to force away, so nothing can force or tear away a covenant or promise that is built on his love. Nothing can take away that. When we feel like we're nothing, when we feel like we're ruins, he sees a foundation that he can build on. So as we sing this song, I just encourage you just to thank him for choosing you to be a firm foundation. That he is our foundation and he wants to bring heaven here to earth. He takes our brokenness and he makes it beautiful. Like he said, all things are made new. So if you need to be made new tonight, call upon him. Because he is good and he wants to do that in your life. You keep reminding
see foundations. Lord, you see foundations to build your kingdom here. And I feel like wounds. You see foundations. you would make it here on earth as it is in heaven just like you prayed Lord we love you Father we thank you for who you are and how good you are have your way in our hearts in Jesus name amen amen well we're so glad to have you here with us if you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith and kids you are dismissed person here, right? <laughs> All right, so uh, tithe and offering, if you have something to give, you can prep it. I know they're checking kids in the kids' church, so we'll give them a second, but offering envelopes available in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, and one of the ushers will uh, hook up you with an offering envelope. But it's good to have you while we're waiting a couple minutes. Uh, like I said in the opener, Mark Dunphy next Wednesday, so uh, come on out to that. That'll be good. I'm looking forward to having him. And he's been here a handful of times in the past, so, uh, and always uh, ministers and brings a, a good word. And again, the uh, Love Your Marriage Night, hope you come out to that. That's going to be a good time. I know uh, Margo and I, our session for that night is called The Shared Life, and we're going to talk about what it means to, uh, to live life shared in marriage. And uh, it's, it's amazing how often that really doesn't happen. That, that people live marriage together, but they actually aren't sharing life. 
How many know what I'm talking about? But how to live a shared life in your marriage. So anyway, uh, for that night. So I'm going to pray over your tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can bring it. Lord, we thank you uh, for an opportunity to come to your house and worship tonight. And I thank you that we can give, Lord, because of the abundance that you bring to our lives. And, and we thank you for always, always being our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have something, you can uh, bring it down. And while that's happening, get your Bibles out. And we're uh, going to get into things tonight. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16 is where we're going tonight. So uh, we got disjointed a little bit because we didn't have service last Wednesday. We're still on prayer. 21 days of prayer ended this past weekend. It didn't mean we stopped praying, right? Uh, Monday night prayer still happened, but the rhythm of prayer in your life is vital to the health of your life. And what I mean by that is right here, the health of who you are uh, is, is connected to you living a life that's connected to God, right? And your life connected to God in part comes from the things that God has given us to connect with him. Is that correct? So things like worship, scripture, prayer, our subject tonight. Our subject tonight's not, not one of the exciting subjects that people go, I can't wait till they preach about that. But we're going to talk about it because it's important. We're going to talk tonight about fasting. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, what? Yes, the, the scriptural, spiritual discipline, the principle of fasting. So fasting, fasting like worship and the word and prayer, uh, church, these are connections that God has given us. Why in the world would you ever not eat? I don't know about you, I don't like that. Let me tell you something. I make myself breakfast in the morning, every single morning. I'm not going to say anything about Margo in that regard, all right? By the way, she's not here. She's on a two-day business trip. But, um, and I know that you, I'm an early lunch person. So 11-ish, 11, I'm ready to eat. Okay, that's early lunch. But from the time I eat something probably 6.45 in the morning to 11 o'clock, I'm hungry. Then if I eat that lunch, by the time it's dinner, See, see Margaret comes from a family, they ate dinner later at night, seven-ish or whatever. My family's five o'clock on the dot, we're eating dinner. That's just the way we were. I'm, how many are there with me on that? Okay, yeah. She thinks we're, we're weird, but she likes later dinner. But I get hungry, and then, then I eat dinner. Guess what I'm doing right before bed? I'm hungry. So, so in other words, when we talk about something like fasting, it's not something that I like to do. But I've come to an understanding that it's something that God has given us to connect and to grow and to be strengthened. So, uh, again, it's not a popular thing to talk about. We're going to deal with it tonight a little bit to give some understanding about fasting. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, talks about what he calls at the beginning of chapter 6, practicing your righteousness or acts of righteousness. He talks about uh, giving to those in need. He talks about prayer. Then he brings up fasting. So Matthew 6, 16 says, and when you fast, again, there's that word, when, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that they are fasting so they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, what does that mean? Is that when you practice things so others notice, so you can seem spiritual, you'll get the reward of somebody thinking you're spiritual. But that's pretty shallow. It's hollow. So uh, I've been obviously pastoring a long time. Every once in a long while, I'll get around somebody that does something like this. I'm, I'm eating, and they're like, oh, don't eat that in front of me. I'm like, okay. Because I'm really hungry. Uh, okay. Then I'm going, oh, you're fasting, aren't you? Yeah, but I didn't want you to know. You know, you know what I'm talking about. This, this, this false humility almost. That, that's sort of what, what Jesus is talking about here. You get no reward from somebody thinking you're spiritual, right? Verse 17, like prayer, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, keep yourself up. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So fasting is ultimately about communion with God. It is something you do as a connection to him. It is not necessarily be done. Now, there is corporate fasting that we can call the church to a fast or something like that. But outside of that, it is between you and God and not really anybody else's business. So I haven't really said this, but like, um, obviously pastoring as long as I have. Sometimes people ask, well, how much do you pray? Or how much do you read the Bible? How much do you fast? And I always say, just know that I do, but don't worry about how much, because that's between me and God. If you really want to know, maybe I'll talk a little bit about it, but I really don't share what I do in these things because what I do is not your benchmark. It is not, it, this is me, my relationship with God. Well, again, we're not in the spiritual Olympics. We're not trying to outdo one another or match one another. So, but God sees what you do in secret. Remember, what you do in secret really says a lot about you. What you're like when nobody knows says a lot about you. If you do godly things, things that connect to God in secret, it will drive out other things from your secret place that shouldn't be there, right? So when you fast, there is a reward. Now, again, uh, and, and we'll see this in a, a little bit as we talk here, fasting ultimately is uh, as you are led by the Spirit to do so. Okay, uh, it's not to bring condemnation on somebody if you don't fast a lot or whatever, but it is your personal relationship with God as you are led in fasting. So I will say this, even though I won't tell you exactly what I do, there, there have been seasons of my life where I fasted regularly on a weekly basis. There have been seasons in my life where I didn't fast at all. There, there's sometimes to do a day fast, a meal fast, an extended fast. It's just based on what I feel led by the Spirit. But I do have a rhythm of prayer and worship and fasting in my life because I think it's important because God has given it for a reason. So as we see fasting in the scripture, so what is fasting? Fasting in the general sense that we understand it is abstaining from food and drinking water. That's a general fast. Um, if some people, what's a Daniel? You bring up a Daniel fast. Well. People do that. If you go to the uh, first uh, chapter of Daniel, Daniel abstained from the king's meals, and he just uh, consisted fruit, 
vegetables, nuts, and whatever. Some people do a Daniel fast. Is that scriptural? Well, it's there. If, if you feel led, okay. Um, I've heard of some people say, well, I'm going to fast something like social media. Is that really scriptural because the Bible doesn't tell you to fast social media? Well, I would just say this. If you feel led by the Spirit to not be on your Facebook for four days, then do it. Okay? Just be led by the Spirit. Okay? There's a reason for it. But scripturally, basically, a fast is abstaining from food for a period of time as you're led by the Spirit. Again, it could be a day. It could be a meal. It could be a, a period of time. Uh, the last fast I did was three days. Okay? So, but led by the Spirit. As, because... If you just do it because you do it, all you're doing is not eating food. Right? But if you do it as you're led and, and, and uh, prompted by the Spirit, then there is a reason for it. Okay? So we fast because it is something that God has given us. Now, Matthew chapter 9. And verse number 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, came to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? So the disciples that Jesus gathered to them, they noticed they weren't keeping any kind of a regular fast. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Okay, so in other words, for whatever reason, while Jesus was here, the disciples that he had gathered to him weren't practicing any kind of fasting, but the Pharisees that practiced fasting noticed it, and even John the Baptist, the ones that were following him, had noticed it too. They were fasting in some manner. But Jesus said, look, while I'm here, don't worry about it. But when I do go, they'll start to fast. Now, has Jesus come back yet? No. So his disciples are those that will practice fasting. In one way, and notice the word mourning in there. We won't mourn when the bridegroom is with us, but when he leaves. In other words, it is a draw of Jesus coming again. Now remember, we take communion, right? Uh, scripturally, one of the reasons we partake of the Lord's Supper is we partake of the Lord's Supper until he comes again. In the same way, we involve fasting in our life. It's part of a drawing of the coming of Jesus, but uh, in a way that we are saying, while he is away, I am emptying of myself, and for that time period, subsisting on the actual bread of life. That I, I subsist on the very words that come from the mouth of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, right? And it is a reminder to us in one sense that we fast as a reminder that Jesus is my substance. He is really what I need. And it keeps me in remembrance of that until he comes again. So one of the reasons we fast is a longing for his return, but a reminder that we live on the bread of life who is Jesus and the very words that come from the mouth of God. Now, some, something interesting. Just be sure, though, on your fasting, sort of what we were just talking about, go to Luke chapter number 18. In a parable that Jesus is telling that, that brings out some points about pride. Luke chapter 18, verse number 10. 
But how about we start in verse number nine? And he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. In other words, they were self-righteous, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. In other words, you consider yourself self-righteous, but you look down on other people, right? It says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Look at the pride in that. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So you can fast twice a week and make sure you keep up on the tithe of your income, and that still doesn't justify you in any way before God if your heart is not humble. Okay? So again, we don't do these things in a spiritual pride way. We do them actually opposite in humility that I'm humbling myself before God in a place of fasting, okay? Now, again, we're emptying of ourselves. Part of, part of this, uh, I guess, being led by the Spirit in this. So let's say that I feel led by the Spirit to fast lunch tomorrow. So I can eat breakfast, I can eat dinner, but in between that time, I'm going to fast. That's why I'm led by the Spirit. What starts to happen with my flesh at some point? There's a contention, because I'm hungry. Driving down the road, I pass all these fast food restaurants. And I end up somewhere, and there's somebody right by me eating a donut. Right? So, so you, your flesh gets in content. I, what they, I didn't mean that about you, Judah. I, I know you don't eat donuts, so it's okay. Okay. <laughs> but if you had one, you'd share it with me, right? Okay, I thought. All right, so. You're in contention with your flesh. Part, part of fasting also teaches you to rule your own flesh. With what? The help of the Spirit. Because if the Spirit gives you unction to do something, your Spirit's with you in what you do. Even when it's hard. Right? Because fasting's not easy. Of the spiritual disciplines, fasting is probably the hardest one because it deals directly. I mean, I mean, everything involves your flesh, but fasting deals directly with your flesh because of your hunger. So it, it, with the help of the Spirit, you're learning how to, to contend with your flesh with fasting, okay? Um, but fasting is connected to, to worship. So uh, in Luke chapter 2, you can write these down. We won't go there. We find... The prophetess Anna was at the temple and simply in worship, but part of her worship, she was praying and fasting. Um, some different uh, scriptures, you can write these down. Luke chapter 4, we know that Jesus was led to the wilderness. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. There he was tempted by the devil. But when he came back, he was full of the Spirit, and what he started to do, he went into the work of the ministry. So fasting is part of the preparation of the works of the kingdom. 
Okay, remember, uh, uh, okay, I forget the exact situation. I think it was a boy that was having some issues maybe with the demon. I'll have to look at it later. And the disciples couldn't deal with it. And Jesus came and said, okay, this kind can only come out by prayer. And now what's interesting here, what's really interesting about that is, is that we know that the disciples weren't fasting. So Jesus came and found them not able to deal with this. He said, but this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So even they weren't prepped properly for all the scenarios that they were encountering because at that time they weren't fasting. So, So fasting does have a connection to preparation in the works of the kingdom. Um, Acts chapter 13 and Acts also Acts chapter 14. Uh, fasting is connected to uh, gaining the wisdom and direction of God. It's another reason people fast. Um, in, in the book of Jonah, when, when Nineveh repented before the Lord, they called a time of prayer and fasting. In other words, fasting can be connected to a time of repentance for sin. Um, Daniel, the book of Daniel, uh, chapter number 9, we find Daniel in a time of prayer and fasting because he's petitioning, he's inquiring of the Lord. And like we said earlier, we find in the book of Ezra, chapter 8, there's a time that simply to humble themselves before God, they went into a period of fasting. So fasting can be connected to a lot of different reasons as you're led by the Spirit. Repentance, inquiring of the Lord, seeking direction. Just involved with him in such a way that you empty yourself for a greater capacity to be more full of him. Now, obviously, that's figurative. It's not like when you don't eat, you got more room in your stomach for the Spirit to be there. Obviously, it's figurative that we empty ourselves to be more full of his Spirit. Now, again, everybody has different things happening in their life. So uh, a question that I would get sometimes is, you know, I, I actually have to take some medicine. I can't take it if I don't eat. I have to eat with it. What am I supposed to do? Well, you contend with the Lord about it and see what he would lead you to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's between you and God. Uh, when should I fast? That's between you and God. How? That's between you and God. But again, the whole thing about prayer is a healthy rhythm of life where we're doing the connections with him that he has given us to be strengthened. So he is becoming greater and I am becoming less. That's what things like this are about. Isaiah chapter 58. read a little passage of scripture there in in verse number three on down. Uh, Before I read just another little thought here. So Isaiah chapter 58, verse number three, get there in just a second. You know, um, for the Israelites, we find in the book of Leviticus on the day of atonement, they're a call to deny themselves that day. And, and it was that they are in a period of fasting. So to deny yourself was fasting for them. It's interesting to me that when Jesus talked about picking up your cross, it goes along with to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. That word deny found in both those places. It's not necessarily saying with the whole cross thing that you have to fast every day. But there's part of this learning of denial 
that's connected to fasting. Deny myself. Again, a contention with yourself to bring yourself fully before the Lord. All right, so uh, Isaiah chapter number 58 and verse number 3. So here, here comes the prophet Isaiah, but he's getting after them about some stuff, okay? It says, why have we fasted and you see it not? In other words, why has God not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you, God, take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and you oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is to bow his head like a reed to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose? To lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healings shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. You see that? What Isaiah is criticizing here, what he's getting after them for, is the fact that you can do all the spiritual stuff. You can fast. But in the midst of your fasting and after your fasting, you turn around and you quarrel with people, you oppress people, you treat them like nothing happened in your fast. What's the point of fasting if you don't learn how to treat others properly? So in other words, we can't be people that say we pray and say we worship God and say that we people who fast and say we bring the tithes to the storehouse and all these things we think are the, are the religious checklist things and then go on treating others with contempt. That's why the greatest law, the greatest command is loving God and loving your neighbor. Because you can chase after all the righteousness stuff and never change, never be like him. So these, these are things that in their proper way, in their proper context, build a relationship with God in such a way that helps us change to be what he calls us to be, or else what's the point? You see what I'm getting at? So, you in your prayer should learn to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that if he leads you into fasting, that you do so. Don't fuss about it. So, this, here, here's what happens. And I'm just going to tell you something very fleshly about me. All right? I'm going to be transparent. When I feel the Lord call me to fast, I immediately look at my calendar. What's going on the next three days? Hope I'm not invited to a party somewhere. You know, it's going to be food and, you know, you know, how many am I talking about? You just kind of go, oh, man. Well, I'm going to listen. I, 
during that time, I'm going to humbly submit myself to the Lord, regardless of what's on my calendar, regardless of what's coming up, right? Because there's a reason that he's calling me there. There's a reason. Sometimes I know why, because I'm inquiring of something, and he says, let's enter a time of prayer and fasting about it. Sometimes I feel led to do it. I don't know why. But I know that I need to. And there's been times when I felt led into a time of fasting. When my fasting's over, I still don't know why. But something happened or, or the Lord wouldn't have called me there. There's something going on here. Because a lot of times we, we practice the things that God calls us to. It's very subversive. Not everything bells and whistles and the writings on the wall so it's so explainable. Sometimes he's taken you somewhere, and it's only hindsight 2020 later on that you start to see that he's been building things. Sometimes these things are isolated incidents. Sometimes they're building blocks together. So I could be in a time of fasting, and it may not have been necessarily something isolated for that fasting, but that was part of something else. But sometimes it is. Okay. So I know there was, there was a time period um, uh, where I was seeking, my wife and I were seeking the Lord about something, about some direction about something. And I had, and had done some fasting and some prayer. And uh, I, I was heading out to uh, Colorado to the, the national park there. And as you guys know, I love the mountains. And there's, there's a place that every time I go to the National Park, I hike to this certain place. It over, overlooks this big valley, and you see uh, Notch Top Mountain. You guys got me a painting of that, remember? And, and I said, I told Margo, if, I'm telling you, if I don't hear from the Lord, I'm going to hear from him on that mountain. Now, I purposely was climbing up there to have a time with it. I was with some guys, and I was going to be like, I need to spend some time alone. You go up there with me, but you're going to have to find some other place to go. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. But see, I got the answer to what we were after before I went there, so that didn't need to happen. But there was a time of prayer and some fasting, and the, the first time through the prayer and, and, and being led to fast, I didn't get an answer right at the end of that time. But we kept seeking. And we weren't trying to come up with our own answer. Then we get like Abraham, and we end up with a, 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 a Ishmael instead of the one you're supposed to have. Now you've got problems. And you keep contending. You, you, listen, I think sometimes we want to say prayer and fasting because we're going to make God do something. And he has to answer me because I, I spent time fasting or something. My gosh, Lord, I was hungry, but I did this for you. Why won't you answer me? Well, well he is, but in his timing, be patient. He'll get with you. All right, you, you can't rush the Lord along. So no, regardless of maybe a specific reason why you enter into fasting, just know the underlying principle of the whole thing is communion with him. In other words, we can't use things like prayer and fasting as a way to try to pull chain and get God to do stuff. Then we're missing the point. If you always approach prayer, fasting, worship, and these things as a way of communion with him, relationship building, connection, presence, 
then regardless of whether or not you're asking or seeking, you still got the most important thing. So even if you don't feel like you got an answer, even though the answer's there, it's gonna be there, you still were in something that was vitally important to the health of your life. You see what I'm getting at? So even though uh, there was a time period where we weren't getting an answer, we just kept at it and kept patience. Knowing the Lord is going to respond in his wisdom, which is much greater than my own, by the way. Why would I pray and fast? Because I believe he's God and who he is. That's, that's why I do it. Because I want his wisdom. Then why would I rely on my own wisdom that he's not answering me the way I want or when I want? In other words, you can't, you can't microwave the kingdom of God in your life. We're a microwave generation. Because of, of, of things like this, we want it now. Because everything we want is right at our fingertips. Every information you want, whatever you want, you can find it right here. We want, we want like now. We want answers right now. If you really look at the testimony of the scriptures, the course of the lives of the people we find in here, we're talking their stories that you see here over decades, long periods of time. You can't microwave God into your time context. What you can do is get to know him and be with him. And what, what he'll teach you, by the way, is patience. He'll teach you you can't rush through the kingdom of God. He'll teach you that things that are brought out of your life, it takes time, and, and there's some molding, and there's some shaping. I, I would imagine if God answered all your prayers right when you wanted it and how you wanted it, you wouldn't have been ready for half of it. Right? Because maturity sometimes gets connected to stuff. I mean, jo Joseph ends up second in command to Egypt, but if he didn't go through the pit, if he didn't go through Potiphar's house, he wouldn't have been ready. If, 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 if he was given second in command to Egypt right when he got the coat of many covers, colors, it would have been disastrous. There was a process of life that he had to go through to get where God wanted him. And, and it wasn't all fun wasn't all easy. Just because you pray and fast doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. That's promised nowhere. But it is a life connected, being led, learning patience, learning his timing. And, and the biggest thing, learning him. There's a whole lot of us learning him and having that stuff instilled in us. For us to do the things that we really want to do right so so uh, so next week we have mark dunphy then after that i promised we would uh, talk about prayer in the context of spiritual warfare that's in two weeks but after that we're going to start talking about purpose what it means to have purpose in your life and uh, just know that purpose is something that's grown it's shaped it's brought out of you in such a way that you can't have it now and if you don't learn the patience with the timing of the Lord, you'll mess your life up, thinking you're right smack dab in the middle of what he wants, but then, but it's your way, not his way. The purpose of God can't be brought out with your own self-promotion. You can't make God do anything. You gotta learn patience. So how many know what I'm talking about? But one of the ways we learn all these different things is, is we're people who pray. We're people who worship. We fast when we're led to. 
we stay connected to a, a, a community of people that help us, right? That's what we do. Then God, in his wisdom, will do what then he can only do. Right? Amen? Amen. All right, so fasting. So I would encourage you, by the way, um, some, I've, I've heard some pretty, uh, you know, if the Lord says okay, but sometimes I, somebody's never fasted before, I feel called to do a 40-day fast. I'm like, whoa, time out, let's talk a little bit. Just slow down a second. Let's, let's have a conversation. If you've never fasted before, maybe you feel let you start with just a meal. Maybe a day. Okay? And, and let the Spirit build things in you. All right? But again, as you're led. So, and, and it's a you thing. So a rhythm of your life uh, when you feel called. But when you do, listen. That's the thing. Listen. There's reasons for it. Amen? Do, do you trust God? Then God trusts him in stuff like this too. Right? We'll stop there. I'll tell you one funny story about fasting. Now pray. So over there, uh, Pastor Dosick called the church to a 21-day fast. So if you felt you could do so, so 21 days, and the fast was over, and I'm driving down the highway, and I see a Burger King. And I see a sign, Whoppers, two for five. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't take this thing. Worst decision of my life. You don't want to do that. Anyways, that's all I'll say about that. All right, so <laughs> don't do that to yourself. All right, so let's pray. Lord, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that, that you want us to be in such communion with you. You teach us ways to do so. They are not just growing in you, but they're teaching us about ourselves, Lord, that we are learning how to be people that are called and led by you. Lord, so I pray that you help us do that. And I pray as we live life with you, you continue to take us where, you're, where you intend us to go. You continue to make us into the people of your own. Lord, that we are everything you intend us to be. And I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us and you lead us and you guide us and, and and that you don't leave us alone in this life. But I pray that when you do speak and you do, God, we respond with the fullness of who we are. And Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so Sunday, uh, we're still in pursuit in the book of First uh, and Second Timothy. And Sunday, he tells us to pursue gentleness and peace. We're going to talk about that means on Sunday. So that'll be good. So bring somebody out Sunday. We'll see you then.